I'm Vito Manone and you're listening to the sound of the Loons podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm steve mcpherson i'm here with callum williams it's state fair time which means it's the most wonderful time of the year have you been to the state fair yet uh, no i haven't you've been a little busy there's been some travel there's been a yeah. lot of things going on yeah um so uh and i don't know if i'm going to get the chance to it does it end on labor day or something like that does yeah it? Or, yeah yeah i mean obviously we're away at uh, lafc this weekend so yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to get the chance to uh, to attend the Great Minnesotan get-together this year, which uh, I'm supremely disappointed at because I was looking forward to something fried on a stick once again. Yes. did you? I, so you've been, though, in the last couple of years you've been Yes, here, yes, so. yes. Okay. We went last year, and I had my first experience in 2017 as well. Yeah. Um, and it is just carnage, isn't it? You know? It is the definition of absolute carnage. Um, I, I've, I've come around a bit on it. Um, one of my problems is uh, is that my wife, my wife. <laughs> is a complete state fair fanatic, Uh-oh. Um, and now that we have children, it's good because she can she's sort of indoctrinated them into state fair fanaticism. Uh, for me, I'm a person who likes to go for a couple hours once, you know. And there's a couple things. I, I, the thing that I've come around to is that rather than wanting to feed off the novelty of the experience and sort of like the new foods or the new things. I like to just kind of hit up the classics. You know, I like to go to the, the art, uh, the fine arts building and Mm. check out, um, you know, local artists and their stuff. I like to go to, I like to get a Turkey to go sandwich, which is my favorite fair food. Um, just delicious Turkey sandwich on a bun. It's super simple, (laughs) you know, maybe get, maybe split some cheese curds with somebody, Mm. um, go to the horticultural building, look at the crop art. Um, my daughter, uh, won a third place ribbon for printmaking and, oh. uh, for, for her age group, which Congratulations is pretty fun. To her. Yeah, she did. It was great. She was very excited to see it. So, you know, and to me, it's like, it's a, it's a couple hours, two, three hours. Um, my wife is like the minimum is six to seven hours. Um, we went on Wednesday when we got back, um, we were on vacation. We'll get into that a little more. Uh, we came back on Wednesday and we were like, let's, uh, well, you know, we could go to the fair, I guess. So we had flown in the morning, got in, and then we went to the fair. Uh, and I was expecting it would be, we'd be there for two to three hours. We got there at four. We left at like nine. Um, and, you know, it's it's great because my wife just gets so into it. And she's just like, well, okay, we, we're, we're, we're heading out. So uh, we'll head toward the exit. On the way, we'll just, we'll stop and see the butterheads and uh, the largest pig and the crop art. And we'll get ices and she, <laughs> I'm wow. like, I don't think we're going toward the exit yet. Uh, there's a lot of things along the way. So she gets really into it. And now I don't have to be as into it because my children will get into it. You are a better man than I am. <laughs> um, every time I've gone to the state fair, I've had a blast. Um, but that's enough. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm all right with couple of hours and yeah. um you know last year the missus and i had a had a wander around uh you know when we had to be there for certain uh, minnesota united related things and, and and it was it was great i enjoyed it um i i just um I couldn't even fathom the idea of being there all day yeah and and um walking around all day and um 
it, it would just be too much for me, but but each to their own, I suppose. Um, I, I just, it, it's just, yeah, it's a lot. It's it a is. lot to take in. There's a lot there. We're going back on Saturday for a concert. We're going to see Brandy Carlisle, uh, and I said, you know, do we do we have to go to the fair also? She's like, I will. Oh. I was like, what does that mean? She's like, well, I'll go in the during the day, and you can take care of the kids, and then meet me there later at night. So I guess that's how that's going to go. But okay. you know, that's bless her. She, you know, she, she, she works her butt off uh, at her job. She works her butt off as a parent. Uh, go enjoy the stage fair. Do it. That's if that I'll is say, her so. release, then absolutely yes, by absolutely. all means. And I suppose it's different as well if you're going specifically for like a concert or something. Then yeah. I could certainly yeah. do that. But to walk around it for what, six, seven hours, yeah. that, that would be a little bit nauseating for myself. That's a little much. Let's talk, uh, let's talk Open Cup final. Mm. Um, I had, so I had a prearranged vacation that I had scheduled months ago. That coincided with the final. Uh, not even that I was, this is not one of those situations where I doubted Minnesota United would make the final of the Open Cup before it began. It was just simply that we never know when the actual final is going to be exactly <laughs> until it actually starts, right? So I had, you know, the, I saw this window of vacation I could take. And uh, so I was in Western Massachusetts with my family in a cabin, uh, but I still streamed the game <laughs> uh, for that night on Tuesday before we flew back. And I found myself with two very distinct feelings. It was almost like I had two feelings that were in a conversation with each other. Uh, first of all, definitely disappointed and deflated at the outcome. You know, just I had the benefit. One of the benefits of not working that game is that as soon as it was over, I could just close my computer. And I think if I had had to sit there and, 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 and relive it immediately, that would have been a little difficult. But secondly, not too long after the end of the game, you know, I'd say by the next morning, um, once I had sort of slept, I really felt like there were so many positive takeaways from that game. Um, you know, beginning with Atlanta United is, is a better team than Minnesota United right now. I don't think anyone would question that. If, if they sit and, and look, at, look at the teams, the talent level, what Atlanta United has accomplished, they're the reigning champs of MLS. Um, they're playing in their, their home stadium, which is another thing we could maybe get into to talk about the Open Cup and if that's the correct way to have the final happen. Um, so they have a better team and a massive advantage. They've spent just gobs of money. I mean, and this is a thing that, you know, I know that Adrian Heath likes to talk about all the time, but it's true. It's like money talks, right? They spent... You know, they paid like $35 million in transfer fees to get mm. Joseph Martinez, Ezekiel Barco, Pity Martinez. Those guys all together make, you know, in the upwards of $5 million per year, which in comparison to Minnesota United, that's like the top six players all put together. That's Darwin, Jan, Ozzy, Angelo, Vito, and Kevin Molino. Like in terms of salary, all of them together is equal to those three guys who are just in the attack. And that's not the only spending that Atlanta United has done. They're a very well put together team. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. They spend it well. Um, if LAFC were not having the year they're having, I think Atlanta United would be presumptive favorites to repeat for the cup at this point. They had a rough beginning, but they look like they're rounding into form. Um, despite all that, like the first goal was a, it was a fluke. I mean, it was a massive just, I mean, it comes from pressure on the goal for sure, but it was weird, right? Hmm. And I think that looking back, it rattled Minnesota United. Um, and that led to that second goal because that second goal was a de definite defensive breakdown. You know, it was, a, it was, a, it was an excellent bit of attacking play uh, and it was success successful in Minnesota United did not prevent it. After that, Minnesota United looked pretty good. The team looked good in the second half, came very close to locking it up. Uh, and it, it, chances from, from chase, from boxy. Um, you know, I, I just thought that it looked like with, you know, Leandro Gonzalo Perez being sent off was a satisfying because 
he's a hothead and I sort of don't like him. I'm just going to put that out there. I just don't <laughs> like him like as a player. It's okay. It's okay to not like players. This is part of, this is part of it. Um, the trouble with that is when the home team is up and they go down to 10 men, they can just kind of shut it down. I mean, you even saw it with Atlanta United here. Um, it, was it last season when it yes, was that, yes. that cold game? Like they just shut it down. They went down to 10. I think they went down to 10 again at that time and they just shut it down or I can't remember exactly. I remember they shut it down. They were like, we're up and we're not going to play. We're just going to lie on the ground, which they also love doing that. So, um, so they did those things. Uh, so that I knew it was going to be tough on the one hand. It was satisfying. On the other hand, I was like, they're not, they're just going to stop trying. And Joseph Martinez was just on an Island for the rest of the game. He was just sitting out there, uh, and they couldn't get anything to him. Um, you know, if we, if, if Minnesota United had managed to get that second goal, I would have favored us in extra time up a man, um, with momentum. Um, and then I think that there is uh, invaluable experience for those young players. Uh, I talked to Adrian a little bit about this, but both in terms of winning against Portland and then the trip to the final, I mean, we brought experience in the form of Ozzy Alonso, Jan Gregorish, guys who have played in other cup situations, you know. Um, but for Chase, Gasper, and Hassani Dotson and Mason Toy to play at this point when they're 20, 21 in a, in a cup final you know, in their first or second seasons in the league, and then looking toward what it's going to mean, you know, if Minnesota United can get into the playoffs, what that experience for those players who are going to be key, that's going to mean something for them when they get to that crucible of the playoffs. So, you know, I think overall I was like, it, it was a tremendous run. It was a great opportunity. They were up against a giant colossal disadvantage in so many ways facing Atlanta United in that moment. And it was a 2-1 game. You know, it was it was a, it was a tight game overall in the end. So, I, like, I think my overall takeaways are pretty positive. So, a couple of things. Um, the one thing which I'm going to be very very interested in now, as we approach um, the last sort of six seven games of the regular season, is what does that experience of losing in a cup final do for not only the young players but also the entirety of the franchise? because you don't want to feel that again. Right. Will they be able to manage a game a little better, I wonder, moving forward once they get into the postseason? Because it is my belief, Steve, that they still will get into the postseason. I know it's ridiculously tight at the moment. We're going to talk a little bit about that later as we look at the road. But, but I yes. think Minnesota will still get into it, so I'll, I'll say that for later then. Um, you're right. Atlanta United have not been short of a penny, and they've spent it, and they've spent it very, very well. Yep. The simple fact of the matter is, Atlanta United are superior to Minnesota United. It's okay to say that. Yeah. It's okay to admit that. It's fine. Atlanta United have spent a lot of money, more so than the majority of Major League Soccer over the course of the last two and a half years. They're winning championships because of that. Um, I was okay with the formation and the personnel when Adrian Heath pulled us broadcasters aside and told us the team the night before. My eyes did widen a little. My eyebrows were raised a little. Sure. Um, because essentially what he was doing is he was putting the um, the player that ended up being the golden boot winner, by the way, in the Open Cup this year, Darwin Quintero, on the bench. Six goals in, in five games uh, overall in the end for him. Um, but sometimes, and I know this might shock a few people, sometimes you don't necessarily need your best players on the field to win a football match. Sometimes the system that's in place is much more beneficial to the team up against a certain opponent. 
going 4-3-3 against Atlanta United was the better option, was the better choice. Ozzy Alonso had a bad game. Yeah. He will admit that. He was hurt. I mean, he also, this was constantly referenced, that he just didn't look like himself. During the game, Ozzy Alonso, um, I believe, um, I think tweaked something. I believe he's had some sort of an issue with the lower part of his leg. Yeah, his hamstring, um, uh, Hamstring or his thigh or something along those lines. Um, and he obviously tweaked it during the game. But Ozzy being the character that he is, he said to the medical staff, he said to the coaching staff, I can play, I'm fine, I want to play. And <laughs> what are you going to do as a coach there? You're, you're not going to say no. Yeah. Um, and, and especially somebody of his magnitude and leadership, you're going to want to play him. Yeah, it's um, captain. I mean, he's the captain. The first goal that Atlanta scored was bizarre because it took a wicked deflection. Yeah. Um, I think Vito will admit he, he probably dove a split second too early and perhaps should have taken another step back. But... Look, nevertheless, it's a bizarre goal in my opinion. Yeah. The second goal, he will put his hands up. It's Ozzy Alonso's man. Yeah. Pity Martinez is able to make the, the secondary run and, and finish um, more or less unopposed. And if Ozzy Alonso was at the top of his game and, and operating at the usual standards, Pity Martinez wouldn't have gotten anywhere near the ball. Yeah. Um, I think the opening 25 minutes, Minnesota United gave themselves a mountain to climb. And it was almost as if they didn't turn up for it. And I must admit, after 90 seconds, when Joseph Martinez put the ball in the net and it was rolled out offside, I did think to myself, boy, we could be in for a long evening. Concerning. Yeah, I had the same exact reaction. Like, to, Even though that was ruled offside, it, did, it wasn't like they were pulling him offside. He was just, a, you know, that it was not a plan. And I was concerned immediately. <laughs> he, he was, rather fortuitously, he was a little too eager for Minnesota United. Um, um, and... Um, you know, he was a little too eager to get the better of Minnesota United, rather. And um, look, I, I also think if you look at it the other way as well, it also perhaps was an early wake-up call for Minnesota United as well, who I thought were fairly resolute throughout the entirety of the game, apart from those two chances that um, that resulted in the goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manone made the saves you would expect him to make as well. Um, but the second half was, was very, very different. And Minnesota came out with, with a, a certain spark that they didn't really have in the first half. There were glimpses in the first half, but the second half was very different. Yep. Uh, obviously, Robin Lurd gave Minnesota hope and a maybe um, with a very well-taken goal. And, and Molino did well on the right-hand side as well. Um, but but then it, it, it more or less injected an element of energy that they didn't have in the opening 45. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Minnesota United didn't have their chances. And again, as we've already insinuated, against a, a, a firmly superior side in Atlanta United, um, I thought they matched them over the second 45. Absolutely. And Brad Guzan made several very, very good saves. The one outstanding save, I thought, was when Ike Opara, of all people, had, had the, um, the nous to, to chest the ball down and volley it uh, from the edge of the penalty area. And it was heading for the bottom corner had it not have been for the interruption of Brad Guzan's fingertips. Yep. Um, and then there were other chances. Michael Boxall uh, headed just wide. Um, Mason Toy had a good opening as well. Uh, Robin Lord Molino had the chance as well when it when it ricocheted and, and fell to him. And, and it was awkward for Molino because it was a little bit underneath him when he tried to strike it towards Brad yeah. Guzan. Yeah. I think now having looked back at it, it probably would have he would have realized he probably could have taken a tiny touch and then executed an effort. But at that point, what are you going to do? You know, yeah. it's the ball's fizzed at you. You're in front of goal. Your first instinct is to hit it. Yeah. Um, 
and then the, the one which Michael Boxall will have nightmares about for a long time, unfortunately, is is the miss at the end when Opara does well to to play it back across the face and, and Boxall, although the height is a little bit awkward and he had to hit it there and then because there were bodies on top of him, yep. um, he hits it over the bar um, and that was the chance in the end that Minnesota United were looking for. And I do feel sorry for Michael Boxall because he... Again, I thought, put in a very, very good performance. He's had a very good season for Minnesota United. And, and look, the Loons, in my opinion, deserved something and, and we should have gone to extra time. Uh, and in which cases, as you said earlier on, Steve, with Atlanta going down to 10 men, I probably would have fancied Minnesota United then. Um, but look, it, it's, a, it's a cup final. It, anything can happen. It's been a tremendous run for Minnesota United. Um, at the start of the season, if I would have said to you, with six games remaining in their regular season, Minnesota United will be right in the thick of the playoff race, and they would have gotten they would have got to an Open Cup final as well. Yeah, you'd have snapped my wrist off for that. Right, absolutely. So these, uh, and I've seen one or two people now suggesting that they it's been a poor season. They're not happy with what's happened. I completely disagree. Let's stop and think about it for a second. It's a Cup final, and Minnesota United, with six games to go, are right in the thick of things. Now I know the last what, two, two and a half months have been pristine for Minnesota United, the best spell since they've come into Major League Soccer. But don't let that, don't don't think of that as, as the regular standard. That was an absolutely unbelievable run for Minnesota United. Yeah. What was it? Two defeats in 14 games in all competitions. Yeah. It was sensational. And they were second for a long time in the West and deservedly so as well. But... I don't know anybody at the start of the season that would have said, that's the aim, that's where we want to be is second. Realistically, yeah. when you look at all the money that's been spent on the teams around them, the Timbers, the Sounders, Galaxy, LAFC, LAFC, the Galaxy, yeah. look at all the money that's been spent around Minnesota United compared to what the Loons have spent, right? Yeah. This has been a very good season. Regardless of how it finishes, it has been a very good season. I still think the Loons will end up in the postseason. I, I question whether or not they'll do well enough to, to host the game at Allianz Field mm -hmm. because the last remaining six games are very, very tough, which I know we'll get into later on. But look, it's a fabulous campaign for Minnesota United. Getting to a cup final, being involved in the playoffs, it, it's been wonderful. And I thought the Loons were, were so unfortunate in the Open Cup final on Tuesday evening. Um, but now we, we can really focus on, on the next six games and, um, you know, let, let's see what happens here. But uh, look, uh, as I said, for me, it, it's been a spectacular campaign for Minnesota United, um, who, who haven't spent anywhere near the amount of money that the surrounding teams have and that Atlanta United have. Let, let's just put that into perspective. Let's just remember that, you know. Yeah. Um, this just has been a very, very good season, and I still think it can be spectacular moving forward. Yeah, I think prior to the start of the season, if you had asked me, I mean, I may have even said it, that I thought that the upper bound of what I could hope for would be the fourth seed, you know, to get that last home first round spot, right? And so to have sat in the second seed for a while there, um, I thought that more realistically was competing for the last spot in the playoffs, you know, for getting to that seventh seed. So, you know, anything in that seven, six, five up to four is like hitting what I expected. And I didn't expect an open cup final run, you know? Um, the only two of the teams sort of cut you off, Steve, the only yeah. other teams that have really had a run like this, do you know who they were? Who Tell they are? Me. Atlanta United and LAFC. Sure. 
Yeah. There you go. There's perspective. Yeah. I, uh, there was two things before we move on to talking about this weekend that I wanted to uh, bring up, which is, um, which you're sort of lightly touching on, but the, uh, it's not by any means the majority of people, I think, but the immediate reaction following the defeat at Atlanta, there were a couple veins of criticism that I wanted to simply take a moment and, and mention. Uh, one that I saw was um, another sports Minnesota sports disappointment. Uh, like, ah, oh, this is the history of sports in Minnesota. Um, first of all, this was a chance to win hardware, okay? Mm. This is the final. Yes. This is not making the playoffs, which we expect to do. This is the final. The last time the Vikings had a chance to do that was 1977. <laughs> I was one year old, wow. and I am old, <laughs> AF, okay? The Twins last won the World Series in 1991, which was tremendous, they haven't been back since. I was two years old. Okay, the there you go. <laughs> the Wolves have never, ever made the finals. They made the Western Conference finals, and they got bounced by the Lakers, which is, I love that that year, 2004, was tremendous. That was also 2004, okay? This is a lot closer to the years when the Lynx lost in the finals than any of those other teams. Like, the Lynx had, you know, they were sort of doing this alternating year thing where they would win the championship, and then they would get almost get there. They would win the championship, they'd almost get there. You know, obviously there's there's another there are playoffs to come and there is a cup an MLS Cup final to come. But in terms of the chance to actually hoist the trophy, this is as close as any team outside of you know the the Lynx basically has has come in Minnesota in a long yeah. time. So shut your mouth. Secondly, <laughs> I've I've seen uh, you know it was very popular. I'm just going to go there. It was very popular to the the hashtag Heath out you know, like hashtag going on earlier in the season when people were upset with Adrian Heath. I saw some more of that. Like you should fire the coach, right? It is completely ludicrous to call for firing the coach who got you to the final after losing two, one on the road. I like, you're out of ideas. You're lazy. I'm not listening to you anymore. Okay. I think as a fan, you have the right to question the coach's decisions and to think critically about his performance. Absolutely. Yes, yes, I think absolutely. anybody should. I think Adrian, you know, welcomes, you know, people thinking about how he's doing. I, yeah. I, think, I think he wants that. You Absolutely. Know? Every coach is a mix of ideas about the game. And sometimes they really work, you know, given the personnel when things line up and, and everything else, sometimes it can get in the way. This is true of any coach. They have ideas about how they want to do things. They can't always change their minds about this stuff. This is every coach has these things. Sometimes the, 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 everything works out right. And this stuff, it goes well. Look at Minnesota's, you know, unbeaten streak that just happened. Right. If you're tweeting, Heath out. Like you're, I just, I'm done. Like you're, just, <laughs> you're just lazy. You don't have to, you might not agree with every decision he makes, but Adrian, Heath got this team to the open cup final, right. And has them in the playoffs right now. You know, he has made decisions that have made this team a competitor after two years of them not competing. I, I think this just shows, I'm just like, I just wanted to throw that out there and say like, cut it out. <laughs> just cut it out. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't see any of it, Steve. I, I, I choose to, um, Good idea. To, to not see a lot of that stuff. So I'll, I'll not give anybody who has, has said that the time of day, to be honest. Um, let's, let's move on. All right, perfect. Let's look at LAFC coming up. This is, as we've alluded to, the beginning of a very tough road for MNUFC right now, uh, just to get everybody on that same page. We have uh, uh, MLSsoccer.com had an article the other day, yesterday. Uh, Minnesota has the toughest remaining games based on strength of schedule in MLS. Um, we have the toughest slate ahead of us. Uh, although basically neck and neck with San Jose, which is good news because they're in and around that same spot and, and just a little bit tougher than the Galaxy. So it begins with this game against LAFC on the road with LAFC having a chance to clinch first place in the Western Conference and that first round bye with a win here. Um, 
Vela has a bit of a hamstring issue, as we alluded to going into the game. How much of a difference do you think it makes if he plays or not? I mean, he's obviously the presumptive MVP of the league and incredibly important to them, but they do not lack for weapons. No, no, they don't. And and you're right. Look, I mean, I I, I think, and, and this this could very well be a, a debatable subject, but for me, Carlos Vela is probably the best player in MLS. Uh, yes. I, I Off the top of my head, look, there's some fabulous players in this league, and we are so lucky to have um, the array of talent that we do in this league now, because it wasn't always like this, believe me. Um, and... Um, uh, without him, no, no doubt, it, it does make a difference because he is somebody who can grab the game by the scruff of the neck and change it instantly. But <laughs> having said that, should Vela not be available due to a, a hamstring issue, um, I, I would assume that somebody like Latif Blessing would come into the front three um, and it would be uh, Blessing and Rossi and Diamande up front. That's a... <laughs> Fairly uh, abrasive attacking trio. Bad. That's not bad at all. Um, uh, and they would find a replacement uh, for him in the central midfield. And, um, you know, look, LAFC... I mean, when, when your options are, are win, Atuesta, and K, right? Like, you know, Yeah, and look, I, mean, I, I, <laughs> like, I would assume Lee Wynn would, would come in to yeah. replace him. That's a very good shout, Steve. I forgot about Lee Wynn here. He'll probably come in and replace Blessing in the right. central midfield. LAFC, where you can forget about Lee Wynn, who is a tremendous player. It's fabulous. Yeah. yeah, what was it, 14 <laughs> assists all yeah. those years ago? I mean, right. my goodness sake. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, he's um, Lee Wynn would be the perfect replacement to come in with, with Blessing outside. Um, and, and look, they, they also have a lot of other players available as well. And um, they are, unsurprisingly, under Bob Bradley, probably one of the most well-built teams um, that I can think of in Major League Soccer, and they've only yeah. been in the league for two years, um, which is crazy. But again, look, we spoke about money earlier on, didn't we? And and they have spent it aggressively. They've spent it the right way as well. Um, I, I just, I'm a big fan of uh, Atuesta. Yeah. Atuesta, for me, is one of the most underrated central midfielders in the league. He's only just turned 22 as well. Um, Hold up. Sort of, yes. I mean, I mean not, in, not in the classic Diego Chara, Ozzy Alonso. No, style, he's he, he, he's more, I, I would identify him as more of a, of a deep-lying playmaker. Yeah. Because yeah, uh, Mark Anthony Kay would, would be the, the scrappy central midfielder who... Hold up. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but at times, the two of them do do switch and, and Kay will go and join in on the attack and, sure. and Atuesta will drop and and as I said survey and, and, and when he gets the ball he will go long um, and look for the, the options out wide whereas Kay I think when he gets the ball when he's dropped will, will go shorter um, but you know the fullbacks have been good for them this year as well Jordan Harvey seems to be having a career year yep. at the age of 35 Stephen Petershaw is is a, a wealth of experience and Segura, looks, is, is and, and, Segura and Zimmerman yep. I think we may very well have said in this very podcast a while ago that, that Segura for me was a dark horse in terms of the, the MLS defender Kennedy, of the year yeah. he, yep, he's, he's very um, uh, very much operated uh, under the radar and, and I think he's been magnificent so um, and I still um, I still smile actually when I think of Tyler Miller as well because I do remember when LAFC um, claimed him in the expansion draft I thought to myself ah well you know he's he's played two games for the Sounders. He'll probably be a, right. a backup goalkeeper, you know. Yeah. And they went and got, um, you know, the Honduran national team goalkeeper at the time as well and, and one or two other pieces. And I kind of thought, yeah, Miller will be backup. And he's excelled. 
He's been yeah. brilliant. And he got a call up to the national team last year because of the, the season he had as well. So, look, I mean... Um, LAFC have an abundance of quality all around the field. Yeah. And I am intrigued to see what Adrian Heath and Minnesota United do and what the plan is to counteract them. Yeah, I, LAFC, for my money, I mean, obviously they've also spent aggressively on their team and in, in other ways in their market and things like that. I also really appreciate what they've done with guys like Mark Anthony Kay yes. and Latif Blessing and, and, and Wynn and finding some of these guys who were, you know, maybe in the wrong place or hadn't quite found the correct role or, had, you know, and they, they – they unleashed that, you know, to think about what we thought of Latif Lessing as a player and then to see what he's done in, L in L.A. And then obviously Mark Anthony K is like everybody around the league is kicking themselves for the fact that he was a Toronto homegrown and they yeah. just let him go <laughs> and they picked him up for peanuts. And so uh, and now he looks tremendous. So he looks great. I, yeah. I can also sorry as well. The one player I completely forgot to mention was Brian Rodriguez as well. It oh, right. Wouldn't, that guy. wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if, if he started, actually. Yeah, um, I, I could still see Diamande leading the line. With Rossi on the left. Sure. Um, <laughs> and and may, maybe Blessing on the right. I mean, look, they have an array of options, don't they? Yeah. I mean, that they are just so good going forward. But it wouldn't surprise me, actually, if, if Brian Rodriguez started on, uh, on Sunday. Sure. So um, where do you expect... Where do you think this game will be won? This is sort of a question I have when you look at a team like LAFC because everybody pays attention to the attack. But also their defense is very good mm. and very aggressive. Um, you know, is it... Is it one for either team uh, on defense in the midfield and the attack, you know, in the midfield, obviously it looks like Minnesota United will be lacking Ozzy Alonso uh, for this game. Yeah. And so, um, you know, numbers might be a concern there. Uh, you know, do you think it gets won by LAFC's attack or, you know, lost by Minnesota's defense or won by Minnesota's defense or, you know, where do you think is the, the fulcrum of, of how this game goes? Um, do you know what? Uh, and I'm, I'm talking of, of no, um, prior knowledge here at all. It would not surprise me if Minnesota United either remain in a 4-3-3 or they go with five at the back and in transition actually have the the, um, the wing backs, if you will, right, yeah. um, as as the main outlets. That that wouldn't surprise me at all, actually. Um, Roma Metanier has has the engine to do so. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if. Um, I wonder if Mwimbe Tarat get gets a go here, um, because I, I thought he he did well in Kansas City, considering he's not played for for a month or so. Sure. Um, I just wonder if 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 he'll be given an option, um, if he'll be given a chance rather, uh, and that's by no means is is that um, saying that Chase Gasper has been poor because he's been oh, magnificent, he's been but at some stage you've got to give the kid a rest as yeah. well. Yeah, he talked about that Chase like a couple of weeks ago. Where he's, you know, it's like. It, it, Playing college soccer, which he was doing last year, the season's over now. Mm. Like, you've played all your games, and he's still going and going full bore into the teeth of the season here with these last six games. So, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't hate it. I mean, given that we saw Moabe Tarat sort of in a, a left-wing role, you yes. know, to see him in a left-wing back role could sort of, certainly fit the bill. He's gotten a sense of the attack as well, and he's always played left left back as a defender. So He has, but he's also played left wing uh, for Nance in Ligue 1 sure. as well. Like he, he has played in an attacking midfield role for, for several years as well. Yeah. I, I just wonder, Steve, will they go with, with a five-man slash three-man back line and, and have a... This is what I would do. I, I, I would bring um, a centre-half back in. I would probably bring Brent Coleman back in. Yeah. And I would go... Man to man, I, I would go Coleman and Opara and Boxall 
um, against the three centre forwards of yeah. LAFC and, and try to to stop them breaking through that way. Now that will require yeah. supreme discipline. It may even require somebody like Iko Para um, playing in some sort of a sweeper role as well. Um, right. But I think from an attacking point of view, that the best way to get the, the the best of LAFC, I think, is through the wide areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I wouldn't surprise me if um, if Mwembe, Tarat and and, and Metinier are um, are given a go um, in Los Angeles, and um, I it, you you would assume then it would be you know um, a combination of of. Gregush and Dotson in the centre of midfield, and, and, and I don't know how how um, Adrian Heath would would play it. Then whether you you would have a sitting midfielder again, maybe, and, and then <coughs> Lud Lud is is gone. Right? Robin Lud and Rasmus Schuler so are both, gone. They're neither of them are options. They're both point, gone so, yeah. on, on international duty with Finland, um, which uh, is a shame. But but you know you can never. Turn down the shot. Not, not too long. They, it, it, there's, a chance, there's a chance they're back for Houston, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yes, travel yes. involved, but you know. So, um, yeah. Do, so, one thing I was thinking about uh, is that there is some, and it sort of came up at, at practice the other day when people were talking um, for media availability. There's some stylistic similarities between Atlanta and LAFC, like the way they like to play the game. Do you feel like y- y- you'll see some of what the team did in the second half against Atlanta to, you know, to good success? Maybe some of those. Tactics come into play against LAFC maybe earlier. Um, possibly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I just think um, it's it's so difficult because it's a place where nobody goes and wins. Yeah. LAFC have been supreme at home this year, um, and I, and I just wonder if if sitting deeper. And hitting on the the break is the best way to get the the better of them, as I say through the wide areas. And and, and I just wonder, is it a bit too much on the shoulders of Asani Dotson to have him and Gregush sitting? Will they put another body in there? Would they go with three up front then? With you know, I don't know, Finlay and Quintero and and Toyo Rodriguez. Or I, I don't know. Um, it's a mystery right now as to to what Adrian Heath is going to do. But but it, it wouldn't surprise me, as I say. If if they went with what I've suggested, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they remained with a four two three one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like the idea of the five at the back and then looking to hit on the counter because that's one of those. I, I mean, I think that also, in some ways, makes an end run around you know Minnesota's sort of offensive struggles recently, which has been, it, you know, if you just let if you let Toy be the tip of the spear there, and it's just like we're just getting passes out to him. You have Molino out there, and he can hit some of those. I mean, Molino's like diagonal through passes have been tremendous this mm-hmm. season. Um, get some of those passes out to toy to let him run rather than trying to, it seems like when we've slowed down and tried to pick apart a defense that hasn't worked as well, you know, like just pack it in, right? Like you fall all the way back and then you try to spring forward and then fall all the way back again. And again, like you said, Metnir has the engine to do that for 90 minutes. So um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the path of the playoffs uh, as, as we alluded to in a little more detail. Um, The games remaining are this LAFC away, Houston away, RSL at home, Portland away, SKC at home, LAFC at home, and Seattle away. So that's seven games, I guess. So it'll be six after this game coming up. So um, we're – this is a tough question. I'm going to ask it slowly so you can figure <laughs> it out. Where do you see points coming from in this stretch of games? Here is my take. Okay, go on. I'll, I'll let you the, cogitate on that. <laughs> um, I feel like you need to beat RSL and SKC at home. 
you got to take those points. Uh, I think, and then you need to win one of Houston away, Portland away, or LAFC at home. Now, what I'm thinking here, a couple thoughts. LAFC could be resting players. It's a possibility. Second to last game of the season, if they've locked up everything, Vela has gotten his his record. Um, I mean, they're all it's it's touchy because they're gonna win, they're gonna get a first round bye, which also means they're gonna be on rest for a while. <laughs> so I don't know if they rest everybody or what they, but they could be cruising a little bit, maybe make them vulnerable in 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 that end point if they're just saying, look, we're, we have to travel to Minnesota from LA, which is not it's not as long as a transatlantic flight, but it's close. Maybe you just leave some guys and you don't have them travel, like just get that rest in. Um, and also, I think the Portland games this year have been great. And I think mm-hmm. MNUFC matches up sort of somewhat favorably with Portland. So I don't hate the idea of trying to, I mean, maybe getting something out of that Portland game. But what do you, what do you, what do you see? I think because the West is so, so tight this year, Steve, um, I, I personally think you, from the home games, I think you have to win all the home games. I really do. And so take, then if, take nine out of the three remaining home games. And then if you don't, you've, you've got to win away, whether that's away at Houston or away at Timbers or the Sounders or sure. even this weekend. Um, I think 10 to 12 points, you should be okay. You should be in. I don't yeah. know where that puts you, but you should be in the postseason then, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I fancy us away at the Dynamo because they, they've had a lot of issues over the course of the last few weeks, obviously, um, firing the head coach and, and bizarrely him ending up at Montreal Impact. Um, but That's for another podcast. Yeah, could go on all day about that one, couldn't yeah. we? Um, but yeah, I, I would expect us um, to beat Salt Lake and Kansas City at home. Um, I think if you get a tie at home to LAFC, I don't think that's a bad thing. But I think you've then got to go and win you've got to go and win ways. away. Yeah. Um, you, you need an away victory in there somewhere. And any other point you can grab a hold of Grab it quick. <laughs> Looking at these seven games, I don't think you can afford more than, certainly no more than two losses. Mm-hmm. Maybe even only one loss and then and then draws. It's going to be tough, man. Minnesota have a very, very difficult schedule yeah, yeah. Um, at this stage of the season. When you look at a lot of the teams around Minnesota, ours is substantially more difficult. Yeah, yeah, well. All right, last thing I want to mention uh, it's the 25th anniversary of the release of Definitely Maybe. Uh, it is. Which I know it is, is one of one of your faves. Mm. Uh, I, I just, you know, if you had any, I was listening to it a little bit earlier today. Mm. Um, the the production is obviously extremely 90s. Yes. Um, some of those <laughs> drum intros feel a little bit like, yeah. okay, this could have this could have kicked a little harder. Uh, but the songwriting is impeccable, mm. um, and the the, the fully formed, I think in a way it's a little easier to appreciate now, the fully formed attitude and sneer oh. of Oasis is just the sort of Liam Gallagher's like brain nasal, like just like effortlessly we're better than all of you feel is is tremendous. I just wanted to, I know they're, they're your band, so I wanted to see if you had any, anything, anything you wanted to say about Definitely Maybe or Oasis well, right now. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. So I, I had it on yesterday as well. I was listening to, I feel like the whole world was listening to it yesterday. I, I did a little search on Twitter, just, just cute, out of curiosity, you know, just Definitely yeah. Maybe, and it just seemed like there were thousands of people just listening to it. And um, yeah, um, it, it, for me, one of the greatest albums of all time. And um, 
you know, I, I was uh, rocking out when I um, when I was at home uh, yesterday evening um, to Rock and Roll Star and yeah. uh, Supersonic. Uh, Supersonic. Slide Away, like all these amazing songs. Um, and then, as I've said to you before as well, Wonderwall is a song that means a lot to me. Sure. Um, it was my... Um, my wife and I's wedding song. Um, yeah. That's how much it means to me. So the fact that the fans sing it here is uh, <laughs> yeah. there's an element of irony in there for sure somewhere. But um, yeah, just um, I, I I may go out on a limb here and, and suggest it perhaps is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, album to ever come out of Great Britain. Um, Ooh, tall, that's tall a tall order, order I know. Yeah, and that's, great albums. Um, and and yes, we 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 have produced a lot of fabulous albums um, in our history. But that that for me, because it was such a strange look. I mean, I was what I was four years old when it came out. So what do I know? But <laughs> <laughs> but ah, to, to my understanding, it was a bit of a crap time in England at the time when when that album came out, and people were sort of searching for. Something, yeah, and, and definitely maybe gave a lot of people whatever it was they were searching for, and and it seemed to change a lot of people's lives, and and certainly when I got old, I, I used to listen to to definitely maybe, and, and then the the albums that followed, growing up uh, with my my mom and dad, um, and um, I know it changed their lives for sure, um, and and um, it it's just always an album that always resonates with me for sure. I I love like you said that that attitude that both the brothers have of we are better than anything you've ever heard before <laughs> and you just have to deal with it. I love the intro to, to Rock and Roll Star and, and then Morning Glory as well, you know. It's just absolutely fascinating. And, and um, yeah, look, for me, Oasis, um, one of the, the, the best um, bands that, that, that England have, have ever produced. And uh, I don't recall, you know, obviously the, the Beatles are up there and, 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 you know, several other names that I... I don't want to um, don't want to forget, but I have. <laughs> um, I don't remember, in, at least in my lifetime, a British rock and roll band that took over the world like they did. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I can't. That's, oh, that's you, pretty you, fair. I think you, you would be better for that sort of question. Well, I'm already I, the man. I'm already the gears are already spinning in my head as you say. Made this like um, dramatic statement. That, yeah. I, I I think I think what I would maybe say, and again, because of not necessarily speaking of Oasis, but sort of. It, Limiting it to definitely maybe, because I'm a big fan of albums as like, this is its own thing. Yes. Um, obviously, it's part of a band's discography, and it, it, it defines a band and, and things like that. But it's also, it sort of exists apart from a band as just a document, right? I think maybe, I think maybe like as a debut, it, it's it's way up there, I think, in terms of the the history of, of British bands. Because um, some of them take a while. Yes. I think I think some of Radiohead's albums are clearly up there as as greatest album rock albums released, but their first one is kind of meh. like Pablo Honey is as a statement is not terrific. I mean, I think that run of the Ben's OK Computer Kid A is almost unimpeachable as a three album run. Um, you know, and then there's obviously Beatles records, there are Queen records, sure. there are you know things like that. But a lot of those bands took a little while to sort of sort of reach the the the, the peaks. But yeah, again, fair. it's like Oasis hit the ground. Just this is who we are. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and so I think that as a debut, it's it, it's it's up there, top ten, if not if not up in the top five or, or best debuts for a British band. Uh, one note about that also, what I that I had seen a couple of days ago, I forgot until now, is that I gather that uh, the Foo Fighters are playing at. Reading, I think, 
and this is the Noel Gallagher Dave, thing. Dave Grohl said he wanted to start a petition to get uh, the Oasis back together. Mm-hmm. And then Noel Gallagher said he was going to start a petition to break up the yeah. Foo Fighters. <laughs> I did see that. Which is just, I don't know how you stay so on brand, you know? Yeah. Like, as I work in brand a lot of times, working in communications here at Minnesota United. It, just tirelessly on brand for Noel Gallagher. Uh, just tremendous. I so. love him. He's my hero. He's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for joining us for the 72nd Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Sunday, September 1st, at the Bank of California against LAFC. That game kicks off at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. So take your caffeine pills. Yep, um, Don't take your nighttime vitamins. Uh, the, so, you know, stay up. That'll be on Fox Sports North. Uh, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating. And follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com. You can follow me at Steve Venturis. Once again, I'm still, I'm back on Twitter now. <laughs> I couldn't stay away. It was like two weeks, and, you know, there's some really funny stuff out there. Here's, here's a, quick, a quick Twitter thing, okay? This is what I am on Twitter for. Um, somebody retweeted this today, and it was a photo of, a, like, a, a sewer cover, like a manhole cover or whatever like that. And the tweet just said, extremely the Beatles voice. And the sewer cover said, Melp. (laughs) (laughs) So just just like, Melp. Uh, I thought it was terrific. So anyways, you take the good with the bad. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.